Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They have been providing a means for new embedding writers to have a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. Today we're going to talk with publishers Barbara and Bryant Dillon. This is a recorded conversation, so please don't call in. Here's Brian and Barbara. Welcome to the show, uh, Barbara and Brian. It's nice to have you here. It's the first time. Well, Good to be here. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Um, it's really cool. Um, I think that what you do is really exciting. Um, but I, I'd like to find out a little bit about you both before we talk about your uh, fan base press and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Um, so how... How did you guys get into uh, publishing? Um, were you both writers? Uh, sure. So uh, Brian was a, an actor and a, a writer. I was more working behind the scenes. We both came from the entertainment industry in different facets. I uh, worked for a talent management and production company in film and TV um, and was working towards being a producer and manager. Bryant, on the other hand, had uh, been an actor and a writer, but was also working at the same company. Uh, but we really felt like we wanted to, given our, our backgrounds in, in theater and the arts, we wanted to really not only have a platform to cr- have our own creativity uh, brought to different audiences, but also provide that platform in a way for others to be supported and seen and to reach new audiences. So honestly, that's where we came up with the company, and it was, uh, funny enough, 10 years ago. Uh, uh, this is our 10th anniversary launching oh. the company. Happy anniversary. It's sort of similar Thank to... You. You're welcome. <laughs> sort of similar to why I started chatting with Sherry um, and my uh, Sherry's Playhouse. The same reasons, because it just didn't seem to be that many open interview things for anybody creative to come to. I did the same thing. You know, I just... I, I had gone for a couple... Of, I, I'm an author, and I had gone for a couple of interviews, and I was just really unsatisfied with, first, how hard it was to get an interview. Mm-hmm. And they made you do paperwork. I was like, you know. So And, and then uh, once I had the interviews, I didn't really like them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was talking to my mom, and I was saying, I don't know what to do. I mean, I have had two interviews, and it was hard enough to get them. And uh, one, I couldn't even hear her questions when she was asking them of me and I and she says well why don't you do an interview show I go I'm an actor and an author what do I know about interviewing people because but you like to talk (laughs) sometimes you have to create your own opportunities that seems to be a consistent theme in in the publishing world isn't that weird isn't that sort of strange that you have to be I mean I've always been creative but I never thought I'd be creative in quite the and the other thing was my uh, Sherry's Playhouse was because I did um, I won a contest where they did a reading of one of my plays, and it was so cool to hear your play come to life that yeah. I wanted to give that experience to other playwrights. And then I thought, well, I'm an actor too, so it also is giving uh, help to actors to have like something to put on their resume, radio acting. Absolutely. And uh, so that was the other thing. It's more like sharing. I don't, is that why you guys did yours to like to be able to share? Yeah, I mean we we had a, we had a background as Barbara said in entertainment and also in stage theater um, 
back in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, and there is a lot of, uh, I think when people come to the, a, a, uh, a craft like that or a, a, a medium like that, there's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, support, you know, community aspect. And so uh, people, uh, the creators that are involved, whether they be actors or playwrights or um, tech or wh whoever they might be, uh, you know, there's, there's a feeling of wanting to support uh, one another, support other creative individuals. And so Barbara and I have sort of fostered that kind of belief or, or mentality uh, throughout everything that we've we've worked on, and so uh, that's why with Fanbase Press, we I mean we are both publisher, but we also spend a lot of time interviewing other creators. Uh, we have um, a number of uh, contributors that review other books and and comics and and uh, all sorts of things, stage shows, and all that comes from that idea of of being able to provide a platform for other creators because we were. As you mentioned, we were, when we were looking for those plat platforms ourselves, uh, there were very few opportunities or options. It's really it's it's so it was so hard. Now I have friends that also do it, and I can go to them. Hey, I got a book. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's a totally different thing. But uh, back then, it was, just, it was knocking on doors. Well, not literally, but. It's, it's very yeah. difficult. Um, no, it's a bit of a grind, you know, and now I think like with the uh, social media and with things like YouTube and, and other, you know, podcasts, things like that, uh, it's really become like something where almost everyone has to uh, create a platform of their own and, and there is a lot of that like trading back and forth, supporting one another that, that keeps all the creative communities going. And that's good, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, is when I interview people, I always learn something. Always. Every person. It's just, it's a mutual thing. Do you feel that way when you're interviewing people? Absolutely. I think it's a, by uh, sharing our stories, whether they be the uh, the literal stories that they're that an individual is telling through their chosen medium or just their, their lived experiences, I think that we often have the ability to uh, to learn from one another, to uh, change our behavior, to show better compassion and empathy from one another, uh, just by, by knowing someone's story other than our own. So I, I think that um, through through both capacities, through our lived experiences, through the, the projects that we're, we're trying to bring to life, uh, it's a way to share with one another, to learn from one another, and, and to grow as individuals. I think that also it's because when you're talking to someone that you don't know and you're listening, because when I interview, I listen to what you guys are saying. Uh -huh. uh, when, you're, when you're listening to the other person, you're like, oh, okay, oh. It, it's like you're actually absorbing a bunch of information. And that's a missed opportunity if you're doing a podcast or something and you're just waiting to ask your next question and you don't do a follow-up question or anything like that. That's a missed opportunity. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. Um, now, my next question is completely because I'm obsessed by books. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what are your favorite books? What do, uh, it doesn't have to be science fiction or what you actually publish or anything like that. What are your favorite books? What is your favorite genre? 
And how did you get into that particular genre? Um, wow, that's a... Uh, I, I know, <laughs> keep you going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess if I had to choose one, um, it's weird for me. My, I would say, like, when it comes to genres, I tend to like sci-fi. Um, I've read a lot of, of horror books, but my, my, um... One of my favorite books is, is I guess it's technically a, a sci-fi book, but it's the the Beach by Alex Garland, um, which is almost like I guess the way I would think of it is it's almost like a Lord of the Flies for uh, for maybe like the '90s generation, um, all about uh, traveling um, and looking for sort of these uh, unique opportunities to to discover um, some sort of paradise. In uh, in hidden hidden locations and and how that can turn very quickly and, and sort of comments on um, uh, privilege and uh, uh, globalization and all sorts of different concepts. Um, but I know that Barbara and I also were really really big fans of the the Hunger Games trilogy uh, by Suzanne Collins, which is obviously a very much in the sci-fi genre, also YA, but um, really like the commentary on uh, war and and government and politics, and um, I guess in in some ways both those are, are dystopian uh, stories. I don't, do you have anything to add on that, Barbara? I, I I was going to say Hunger Games. That's definitely one of my favorite book series. The my other favorite book is uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. I think I've when I was young read that just to pieces um, just absolutely love that story um, but I, I think it's tough I don't know that I would say that I have a favorite genre I think that um, when a book really catches me um, there's just something so special about it but I think I'm open to it being from a multitude of, of different genres so I don't necessarily find that I gravitate towards one more than another Actually, what about you Sherry? I understand that completely because I'm more like that but um, I know I find that most people like stick with what my dad for years would only read classic, and I mean classic old mm -hmm. his error science fiction, and he kept reading the same books over and over and over. Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, Heinlein, mm -hmm. over and over and over and over, and he was getting bored reading, and he loved reading. And my brother and I like, well, what do we do? And he said, I said, start introducing him to other books. Even if he doesn't like it, he can hand it back to us. So sure. we, we gave him stacks. <laughs> <laughs> but he did start a wean off of it, you know. It, mm -hmm. just, it was like, because people get really focused. Um, uh, I actually got him into Agatha Christie, which okay. was completely away from his classic science fiction. Um, do you ever find that people get stuck like that in your in your life that you see? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think people have preconceived notions of, of what the, uh, the genres uh, mean or what they think, think uh, a certain genre is, what a sci-fi story is, what a horror story is. Um, specifically, recently, I feel like a lot of people with both films and, and in the comic world have commented to me about, oh, you know, I don't like horror stories, but I like this specific horror story. And, um, you know, I, I think that's one genre that I've seen recently where um, 
people think, uh, you know, they have an idea of what uh, a scary story is or what the horror uh, author might write, and sometimes you can be very easily surprised about uh, different ways that people tell stories or different ways they connect. And sometimes, like you were mentioning with your father, sometimes it just need you just need a door opened to kind of experience that maybe what your per- your per- preconceived notion was of that genre isn't exactly what every story like that, that that is present in that genre might be, or a story that maybe blends genres. And sometimes you don't even know um, uh, everything that an author does. I mean, Ray mm-hmm. Bradbury has, did wonderful poetry, you know. I mean, Isaac Asimov did scientific books, nonfiction, named yep. ahead of his time. You know, just because you like one author or one genre doesn't mean you have to get... That's the other thing, uh, started giving other parts of what he liked to him. Um, mm-hmm. But do you find that it's interesting that when you give him that, uh, a book or you mention a, a film that is like um, a thriller or maybe a murder mystery that they they won't go until they they see like a scene from it or are you or you give them a little sure. bit of it you kind of kind of kind of have to tempt them <laughs> absolutely i honestly i find that to be the case not only across uh genres but mediums as well uh, especially with the comic book and, and graphic novel industry people i think have a uh preconception uh, or misconception that comics are just about superheroes or they're just for kids, um, but they can be for all age groups, all genres. Uh, Many can be quite educational, quite deep and impactful with regard to motifs and themes and messaging. Um, But I think that because of those misconceptions, they're loath to try them, like you were saying, but but not just comics. I think that uh, Audio drama, uh, thankfully, with the the advent of podcasting, has been more popular. But still, in the U.S., audio drama is nowhere near as popular as popular it is across the world in the U.K. and Africa, uh, really just all over. Um, but it's it's interesting how how people really tend to stick with the genres or the mediums that they know. But uh, there are so many wonderful ways to share stories that's, out there uh, and, and available. That's funny because. Um I always do an interview with my cast for uh, my radio plays before we do the actual uh, production, and we just did one. We just It's going to be broadcast this week, and uh, one of the things that came up, because I have two, three, three people that are British in the production, <laughs> and they're really into their stuff, and what happened? You guys started the radio dramas. Why? Why did we keep going and you guys stop? And it was like really in-depth conversation about that. That um, and one of the people that was with us was actually a, a producer, director, actor, and he was explaining it's simple. In uh, Britain, there's all the different BBCs. So mm-hmm. BBC One, which is the radio, BBC Two, which is like TV, BBC Three, which is the t- uh, uh, like the higher TV, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, it goes on and on. But there's all these BBCs, and and so they could keep going with like the Doctor Who radio and all the other stuff that they were doing forever. They're still doing it. But right. in the when TV started coming. Uh, it was networks 
it's not paid by the government. They they're paid right. by advertisers. So they kind of in the 40s and the 50s used radio as an audition for the TV shows or used vaudeville as an audition for the TV shows. And then once they had their TV shows going and they had really good commercialization, they just stopped the radio shows. Like I Love Lucy was actually mm -hmm. my favorite husband before it was I Love Lucy. They, it was on for like two years and it built up a really good audience. So when they switched it over to I Love Lucy, it was a nice smooth transition even though they changed a lot of the show because they uh, mm -hmm. changed the husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because she was married to Desi and she wanted him to right. stay in one place. <laughs> right, of course, of course. But um, but it's really interesting how that's why. And then radio drama, I would listen to stuff like from England that came over. There was an old thing called cassettes and we used to put them into our car and listen to them as we drive. <laughs> So I used to do that on the way to work and home. I would listen sure. to ra old radio shows. Um, one of the, like, radio dramas and Jack Benny and all the stuff that used to be. Um, so that's why I knew about it. How do you guys, how did you guys know? For us, there was, uh, at least for me, I was aware of audio drama from uh, the, the 40s, uh, uh, reruns that you would hear sometimes. Um, but um, I think, for me, the first one that I was most familiar with were the, the Star Wars audio dramas uh, done by NPR. Mm -hmm. um, but then, actually, a, a number of years ago, before the Hunger Games movies came out, Brian and I and a, a few colleagues actually did an audio drama adaptation of all three of the Hunger Games novels uh, prior to the movies coming out. And it was a full cast of characters, score, action, sound effects, absolutely everything. It was about a three-year project, um, and everything is available on Apple Podcasts now for free uh, called The Katniss Chronicles. But uh, we tried to be very faithful in adapting the, the books, uh, but also having to uh, somewhat create new characters and really really take the perspective out of uh, the protagonist's only first-person narrative and, and take that out a bit to make it more entertaining and to make it less like a just an audiobook. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That was really our in-depth introduction to the ins and outs in the production of audio drama. Yeah, and there's a pretty, uh, I mean, it's small, but there is a, a pretty um, uh, successful, I would say, uh, audio drama world out here, some of it based in L.A., but, but most of you know, connected through the Internet. But um, you can find them if you look for them. Pendant Audio is another uh, a company that I would recommend that does a lot of audio dramas and that, that helped us a little bit when we were first uh, starting out. And, and uh, there's also the Audioverse Awards. Every, every year they actually um, uh, do an annual award where they point out uh, a number of audio dramas that I think take place all over the all over the world. Um, but yeah, if, if you go looking for them, if you are an audio drama fan, there it is. There's still a lot going on. It's just there's. I think that it's somewhat unknown uh, in the states when it's compared to uh, to other places in the world. Yes, it just say. I I had heard about some of the awards uh, that were. I just haven't heard the audioverse one. That's a new one to me. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, in fact, one of my friends, uh, they they do a show called Suspense. They've been mm -hmm. nominated for Hugo's. I mean, they didn't win, oh, wow. but they got really close. They were at the oh, award wow. show. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it's really cool what you can get, um, you know, and you can do anything in audio drama. Like, sure. uh, yeah. one thing for my radio places, I have all different kinds. I mean, and I and every single person is a either new or unstaged playwright. So there, this is their chance, and some of them never written before. They they they're novelists mm -hmm. who've never written before. So it's really cool because um, people who have never will tune in because they're friends with this person never heard a radio play before then they become junkies and they start listening to other radio plays it's like this little I don't know if you guys have uh, uh, found that out from your own audiences that once they listen to yours and they continue to go back to yours they also hop around to try to find others that are within their thing have you heard that from your own audience Absolutely, and I think that's a great way to really uh, indoctrinate or introduce people to different mediums is is through just the personal knowledge of someone, uh, if you're associated with them, if you're willing to check out a project. Sometimes that's really just the introduction or the push they need to learn more about that different yeah. medium and to give it a try, and then hopefully they do enjoy it and then continue to find new projects that uh, that might similarly be of interest to them. I think it's very, very cool, and I think it's like expanding of mm -hmm. their world and that's a, always a good thing um, Absolutely. anything that adds to it uh, do you have um, other than listening to your own do you have like a favorite or not necessarily a favorite but do you have a regular uh, radio drama that you like to listen to quite re uh, recently or all the time forever <laughs> Um, I don't. We I know that as Barbara mentioned, we do have. Uh, we're big Star Wars fans, so we do have the the uh, like full set of uh, the Star Wars uh, adaptations. It's the first original three films, and it has a lot of the cast members and, and uh, expanded scenes and stuff like that. So we listen to those sometimes on on long drives. Um, but other than that, I don't know that we uh, regularly have an audio drama that we're following uh, right now. Is there anything that I'm missing Barbara. That maybe you're <laughs> secretly listening no. to. No, sadly, with uh, and I'm sure I'm sure that you're the same. But sometimes when you're a creator, finding time to consume new media can be sure. a, a great challenge. It so, is. Uh, yes. Yeah, so sadly, I wish that I had more time to to take in more audio dramas and even more more books and comics. But uh, yes, I would agree with Brian. I think the the Star Wars audio drama is probably our, our go to when we have some time. I have, like, I switch back and forth when I'm driving. I listen to, like, classics, like, like I just mentioned, Jack Benny and, mm -hmm. and George and Gracie and stuff like that, just because they're funny. Sure, uh, absolutely. And then other times I like to listen to something like uh, Doctor Who or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, sure. stuff like mm -hmm. that. I And my friend that does suspense, which is really good, I recommend it. And um, stuff like that. Um, but I love I love radio drama. Uh, there's there is a part of being an actor in America that they're not stretching because they're not doing enough of them. In my opinion, <laughs> and and uh, everybody who comes on to uh, audition or p takes part in um, 
my thing say the same thing. Well, I love doing because I can play any part and I'm doing all these things that I've never been able to act before because all you hear is my voice. <laughs> Do you get that from people who are on your shows? Well, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I think it is interesting because you get a lot of uh, people who can play, um, I think one of the things we really experience is people being able to play multiple roles and really stretch their, um, their the breadth of, of type of characters that they get to play. Um, you, you know, obviously when you're in a, a, a something with a visual medium like a, a, a stage play or a, something that's recorded on film, um, there's additional aspects that really uh, make it complicated to play additional roles. You have to either be able to change your appearance or do something with costuming. Uh, it's not impossible, but yeah, yeah, with audio drama, as you're saying, like it, there really is the advantage of, of being able to play multiple characters, and if someone uh, really has that talent to uh, to do different voices or to uh, to you know to show their range, um, it can be really helpful. Yeah. It, absolutely. Ex like an example is um, I played a femme fatale, and that's about as far away from my casting if I went to a stage play as you can get. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, did you ever do that, Brian? Like um, play something you, really completely away completely from your. Away from that. Um, you know, I didn't. Not that I can remember with audio dramas. I did, I've, I've done a lot of, uh, you know, in my past, a lot of stage roles. I've played, uh, I've done some really out there, like, creatures. For I remember specifically when I was in college, I, I was uh, part of the uh, the Snow Queen's um, army in, in one of the adaptions of uh, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. Um, and and that was you know obviously I I'm not a but that that was you know I've I've gotten to play some really out there characters like that and and yeah that, there's there's a freedom in that that is that is really enjoyable for a performer. I always say that I played Harvey in Harvey because I was a <laughs> stage manager in high school for Harvey and I'm the one who. <laughs> open the door, who was oh. the one moving the props, doing all this right. stuff, because Harvey's not there. Yeah. Uh, so I always said, I was Harvey. I was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you've never seen it, uh, for my audience, uh, it's a great movie with Jimmy Stewart, that version yeah. of Harvey. It's like a classic, so yeah. definitely watch it. <laughs> Um, in fact, I think that was the first movie he did when he came back from war. He just wanted something right, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but it's a brilliant, brilliant uh, concept. But anyway, that w I played an invisible uh, six-foot-tall <laughs> invisible rabbit. Yes. How many people can say that? Exactly. <laughs> when they're only five-foot-four and they're a girl. Right. <laughs> Um, now, I want to give you guys a chance to talk about anything that's coming out, any books or sure. uh, um, programs on your podcast or anything that you want to let people know about. Sure. So we, have a, 
we have a, a whole uh, catalog of comics and graphic novels across all, all genres and age groups, as I mentioned. Um, but the one that we're highlighting right now came out in January. Uh, so in 2017, I believe, uh, we released a 15-issue series called Kinsei. It's about a teenager who gets superpowers on her quinceanera, but she only has them for the year she's 15. Um, and we did 15 issues on the 15th of every month in both English and Spanish uh, digitally. And then we collected that whole series into a collected trade paperback in 2018, uh, which we were very fortunate to be nominated for an Eisner Award uh, that year, as well as a number of other awards, the Sybil's Awards, um, Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity. Um, but what we did in January is to collect not only the English language full version, but also the entire Spanish language version into an, an oversized hardcover edition of the book. And it's called Quince, the Definitive Bilingual Edition. And what you receive is the hardcover on one side, you get the full English language version, you flip it over, and it's the same exact thing in Spanish. Uh, we've got lots of amazing um, additions to the book. We have two forewords, one by Gloria calderon Kellett. Uh, who is the executive producer of One Day at a Time, Peter Marietta, who is the executive producer of Mr. Iglesias. Uh, we have a study guide by Dr. Teresa Rojas. We have an academic essay by Eisner Award winner Frederick uh, Luis Casa Aldama. We've got uh, an incredible art gallery and a letter from the creator about why he created this series to begin with and, and his family and heritage and why it's important to him. Uh, and all of those bonus features are also available in both languages. Um, so the, the book is now out. It's available through the Fanbase Press online store at fanbasepress.com. It's available on Amazon. Um, sadly, because of all of the uh, impact of the coronavirus, many of our conventions have been canceled yeah. for at least the first next, next few months. But uh, we are definitely wanting people to check out the book uh, through those online mediums, um, and we're happy to, to answer questions for folks. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, it's uh, one of those comics that, uh, like we were talking earlier, Sherry, I, this is, Kinsey is, is one of these great comics where a lot of people that are not familiar with comics um, have commented to us after they've picked it up or, or encountered it or re read a couple pages online that... Uh, it connects with them, even though they maybe have not read a comic before or thought comics were uh, maybe not for them. Uh, it's very easy for, for new readers to jump into uh, just if you've never been involved in the medium. And it, it's got a superhero story to it, but I would say that the story is much more um, centered on Lupe's family and, like, her search to find out, like, what she does with, with uh, this power that she's given and... And um, it's got a lot of humor, a lot of heart to it, so it's it's really a, a, a fun read. Sounds great. And is that already out, or is it about to come mm -hmm. out? Yeah, it's released in, in January, January, so it's available now. Yeah. Okay. And can you guys give your website so people can find you? Sure. The website is fanbasepress.com. Uh, which is F as in Frank, A, N as in Nancy, B as in Boy, A, S, E, Press, P, R, E, S, S, dot com. We're on all of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, uh, everything except MySpace. So uh, just uh, Google Fanbase Press and you'll be sure to find us. Who's on MySpace anymore? Right? <laughs> just musicians. Just musicians, yeah. It's a great platform for music. Um, but, yeah, that's, that, uh, people have left that in droves. I feel bad for yeah. them, yeah. but they have. 
Um, so, uh, is it fan-based press for all the social mediums, or is there different things, like is Instagram different from Facebook? How, how uh, generally, I think everything you can find is a fan-based press. Uh, Twitter is fan-based underscore press. Um, but uh, otherwise, uh, you can always just Google us, and all of our links to our social media are all available at fanbasepress.com as well, so you can find us that way. Okay, and because of what's going on, do you guys have any online events that are coming up? Uh, we are in the works to set up some virtual conventions uh, in order to uh, kind of save off the impact of all of the the convention cancellations, but uh, uh, for right now, we would encourage folks to check out the website in our online store or to search us on Amazon uh, until we have any uh, firm commitments with regard to virtual conventions. Yeah, if you're looking for things to do while you, uh, you know, stay at home and <laughs> stay away from the virus, I will say there's a, a lot of the books are available digitally or, or can be uh, shipped to you. And, and uh, like this podcast, we have a lot of podcasts available. We have a Several podcasts that are running on the on the uh, website, so you can check those out. There's a lot of over over a hundred episodes for several of them that uh, are free to access right now. Cool. Um, I want to thank you both for taking time out from your busy schedules and coming on my show. And thank you for having us. Yeah, thank we appreciate you. It. I really appreciate it. I want you both stay healthy. Um, yeah, <laughs> and um, thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank you so much. Thank you.